Welcome to the Excellent Exo Chat with Bill and Nora. Our podcast is meant to educate, inform, and discuss the ever-expanding topic of exotechnologies. If you are interested in exoskeletons, robots, or automated systems, you should listen to us. We will be discussing how these technologies impact you through chats with experts and users from around the world. Hey, Nora, how you doing? Hey, Bill, I'm doing all right. How are you doing today? I'm doing good, doing good. I'm. Uh, we had a we had a great time at uh, F48, uh, the committee week uh, for exoskeletons and exosuits. So I'm pretty pumped about that. Had some uh, great discussions about uh, exoskeleton standards. So yeah, I'm looking forward to to seeing what comes next the rest of the year and then into next year. So how about you? Yeah, I agree. It was definitely uh, an interesting uh, set of meetings that we had at ASTM International November Committee Week for Committee F48 on exoskeletons and exosuits. I think we had a lot of really fantastic discussion, not just around standards that uh, have been approved, but also new standards. I mean, 28 work items? That's yeah. Wow. Um, the amount of work that these individuals are going through, but also uh, just the conversation between terminology. Uh, definitely <laughs> think that, that people are going to want to hear about that, but that's uh, we should save that for another day, right? Yeah, t- terminology. <laughs> it's, it's funny. Nobody outside of the standards were like, what the heck are they talking about? Uh, right. Trust me, it's totally the most one of the most interesting things. It's like getting people to agree what a word means. It, oh, it is absolutely. It, I mean, you can have a two day discussion on uh, just just a single word, and depending on what standard that word is used in, it it can have a different definition. So, terminology is absolutely one of the most important, if not the most important, standards out there for our committees and and just in general for other standard development organizations if you're not speaking the same language yeah there can be some some issues absolutely well and that that kind of you know leads a little bit into the topic we want to talk about today and it's a little bit around you know we use a different word is is this idea of interoperability or sometimes we even use the word integration and yeah one of the things we wanted to talk about today and we brought it up in the last episode is integrating exoskeleton or wearable technology into and we were looking at first responder gear so right. everything from uh bunker gear to seaburn gear to uh law enforcement tactical gear to bomb squad to fire rescue urban search and rescue you know you name it ems uh type of gear so there's there's all these different uh you know whether it's a uh, textile or some other type of load carriage or, Mm -hmm. or other type of protection that responders use and we're thinking okay how do we do this integration or interoperability with those things for this community right yeah absolutely and i think you know it it definitely changes depending on what kind of you know ppe you're wearing i you know for the medical industry and most aspects when you see the photographs and articles you see that the exo is being worn above the scrubs 
Yeah. But, you know, then I take a look at firefighters. There's there's no way that the XO can be worn on top of firefighting gear. Right. At this point, uh, how they're designed, you know, that's something that would have to go, I would assume, under. Right. Just because of the tight and the, the, the fit that needs to, you know, that needs to happen. And then, like you said, it comes to hair strength of the fabric and material and the textile that the first responders are wearing. So there's a lot of conversation and decisions that go into how to pair these um, and how to make it work. Right. Like for firefighter turnout gear or bunker gear. So those are have standards under NFPA. And so mm-hmm. I yeah. would I would suspect if you put an exoskeleton on the outside uh then that exoskeleton and the turnout gear would have to go through the nfpa standard test and could that exoskeleton survive the same thing that outside of bunker gear could probably not right now i've never seen one that probably could so and my concern and you know I've raised this up in in some of our standards meetings and stuff like that. When you start doing this is, are you impacting the performance of the PPE gear? So with turnout gear, one of the things obviously you're trying to protect from is heat, right? You Mm -hmm. know, because that's where firefighters deal. So when you put on an exoskeleton, and I don't know if people know this or not, well, obviously you've got to attach it to the person, right? You got to attach it to the body in some way. And so, Usually it's a Velcro or some sort of uh, uh, cuff type thing that's either on your Mm -hmm. arm or leg or maybe it's a belt around your waist. If you put that on the outside of any kind of PPE, especially turnout gear, it's going to compress that thing. And if you compress the the turnout gear, now you may be changing the the heat protection of that. So Mm -hmm. all of those things have implications. So... When we've talked to responders in the past, um, we we have we were at a first responder, or I was at a first responder event a few weeks ago, and we were showing off the XO technology. Most of them were very interested in the idea of it getting integrated into their gear versus being yeah. a separate thing. So yeah. how do you, how do you approach that, right? Oh man. <laughs> I mean, the first thing that comes to mind, right, is if we were able to build a, a suit that goes into space, we should be able to figure this out, right? Um, but again, I think it comes back to it's not going to be a one size fits all. You know, we we say this all the time about exos. It's not it's not like peanut butter. You can't just spread it on everything, right? Right. Um, but I I think like you were saying that. The integration into the PPE itself to make sure that it works in the way that it's supposed to is 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 going on the right track. Right, um, right, and and maybe you know it, it. The hard thing to me seems to be is how do you get people and companies that are in two, I'll say, different sectors mm-hmm. working in in somewhat different worlds, but they have the same, I'll say, customer base. Mm-hmm. So say we have an exoskeleton producer and we have a PPE producer. They both have the customer base of they've both decided to work with first responders. Right. So how do you get those folks together and start talking and even considering this idea of integrating 
the technologies together into something yeah. new. I don't know that that is a hard thing. And and how do you how do you get them to see the the business case for doing that versus continuing on the road they're on? Right. It is. It's I mean, Bill, it's so tough. And, you know, we have these conversations all the time and it, it's it's a difficult conversation. Right. Because a lot of the times, you know, people don't come to the table unless something has happened. Right. Um, you know, unfortunately, and that's usually, usually how things spark interest. I mean, I know, um, you know, I know one of our committees, they immediately did a standard on pertaining to windows because Mm. they had a situation where a window popped out of a 56th floor. Right. Um, you know, and then it becomes a public health situation. Unfortunately, that, you know, it doesn't. Sometimes those don't have happy ending. And, and that's how standards sometimes do come about. Right. Um, you know, and, and that's why F48 with their development of standards is so critical because they're jumping on it before that happens. Right. Right. Um, you know, the industry has really realized that these, uh, you know, newer technologies with Exos can limit the implication of injuries and, you know, and, and in some cases, possibly even death, depending on what the situations are and not just exos, but, you know, standards do, they really do, you know, make, make the world better. Right. Right. And so I, I think that with exos, we're in a great position because exos are at the point where we are developing standards. We are seeing, or, or industries are seeing an ROI, Right. There is a business case. Right. Um, And, you know, we do have different stakeholders coming in and working on standards. But I agree. It's it's getting everyone to the table to figure out how do we integrate these and does it make sense to integrate these? You know, maybe for some responders, it does make sense to integrate exos into their PPE. Maybe in others, it doesn't. Um, depending on what what type of scenarios they have to deal with. Maybe it's not, again, it's not like peanut butter. Maybe you use it for certain situations, but others not not, not the best idea. Um, but I think starting, like you said, having the conversation is really important and and being able to have our, our industry experts start talking about it is something that is is needed. Right. And, you know, I was just thinking like one of the situations out there in, I'll say, in the first responder world and and we often see it in the manufacturing world, too, which is uh, we don't have enough workers. We have more jobs than we have workers. And so and, you know, we're losing workers in certain Mm -hmm. sectors because either age or injuries or or other factors. Right. Mm hmm. So and there's so many different um, things that you see where people are actually asking old employees to come out of retirement. Right. To fill those gaps. Right. Yeah. And, you know, my the thing I wonder in my mind, is this an opportunity to bring these worlds together, the PPE world and I'll say the wearable slash exoskeleton world together to to maybe address some of these issues. Yeah. Yes, I think, you know, there's a lot of evidence for addressing, you know, injuries because injuries, right. you know, back injuries, shoulder injuries, all these things that responders and a lot of others deal with. But also giving people the, I'll say, 
basically the endurance to do the job again because that's that's right. really that's really what it turns out to be most of the time it's like hey i know how to do this job but i can't do this eight hours anymore you know you know like it's it's opportunity right right so for instance let's say I mean, perfect, you know, I'm going to use myself as an example just because that's, you know, I don't, I feel like that's the easiest thing to do, right? So for those of, for those that don't know me, you know, I'm about five foot four, (laughs) 180 pounds, you know, Um, I don't know, I guess average (laughs) is what they would call me, but I used to work in the environmental world and we used to have 12 hour days i remember this one site that we always worked at that was um you know a super fun site where it was a huge sampling groundwater sampling project Mm -hmm. and we as the team would be out there for the entire week 12 hour days um lifting pumps lifting generators Um, You know, we would have to purge water out of the well. Um, You know, we had to actually bottle the water um, because we couldn't disperse it back to the ground because it was a super fun site. And I mean, I I could tell you I was, you know, I was in shape, but I was not in shape to be able to do 12 hour days for five days lifting 40 pound generators, you know, bales of water, um, dropping pumps into a hundred plus deep wells you know if, if you've never done that like you have tubing you have wires you have the pump itself that goes back to the battery then you have the generator um and honestly i you know at at my earliest and my best i i was able to maybe do six wells a day whereas there were other people on that site that could get done like eight to ten right um so I, I mean, and I can tell you, after I would be done those days, I would come home and I would be popping Tylenol, I'd be popping uh, Advil, I'd be having Bengay on my back, like, um, and Exos being able to be helpful in that situation. I mean, we had certain types of PPE. We didn't have to wear any type of um, like respirators or Tyvek suits or anything like that. But being able to have exos not integrated into the PPE, but into the actual clothing itself that we were wearing, because mm. you can imagine, like we would have to do this this quarterly, right? Um, and sometimes that would fall in January. How fun! Um, when it would be freezing, right? So you have a huge goose down feather sweatshirt or um, jacket on. You probably have a sweatshirt on. You probably have your Under Armour on. Um, so being able to integrate an EXO, not just in PPE itself, but into what I was wearing, um, because again, during the summer, it would have been fine, right? I could have put the, I put a, put the EXO on top of my clothing and had my safety vest and, and in that instance, it would be fine. But once you get into different weather conditions, it becomes a little bit more difficult, but I, I completely agree. There needs to be some sort of conversation about how do you integrate exos into, um, you know, emergency response and into environmental conditions and different conditions that workers are working in that it's going to be beneficial for them. Right. And just just think of how if we'd had the exos that we have today back when you were doing that, how it would have changed your whole job experience. You know? Oh my gosh. 
right? It definitely would have. I mean, I, I remember, I, I do remember, I remember being on that job site and, uh, I, I remember calling my mom at lunch in tears right? and just saying to her, I like, I just, I can't do this. Mm. I'm exhausted. I'm in pain. Now, now I had other medical stuff going on that, that really did cause issues. And unfortunately put me out of the field. I couldn't, I couldn't work in the field anymore. Right. Um, and again, you know, that's why this, you know, I'm non-technical in the exo area, but it interests me so much because it hurts. It, it hits a personal level with me that if I had had an exo back then, I may have been able to continue that work. Right. Um. And and unfortunately, I couldn't. Like right. I, you know, I couldn't. But I think integration into all different fields, but specifically emergent, uh, like emergency responders, because. Um, again, they are the ones that absolutely need this technology and they need it to work. Right. So I think there's, there's a lot more to do in this area. We're hoping to get more people involved, uh, with PPE, with, uh, exos and other wearables. Uh, and I think there's, <laughs> there's plenty of room for people to do some very innovative things there. So I, I'm hoping we can inspire some people to kind of think about this idea and maybe try something new. Yeah, absolutely. I think so, too. And I think it's a really great opportunity to be able to do that, um, you know, within ASTM, but also within our podcast. So as always, if anybody would like to join our podcast and and talk a little bit about EXOs, how it's changed your experience or um, anything in your daily life, we'd love to hear from you. Awesome. Well, it was great talking to you today, Nora. Hope you have a great day. You too, Bill. Thanks. All right. Take care. Thank you for listening to us today. Please share this podcast with your friends and join us next time.